Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I am just your typical Spike. On the line with me, my good buddy, producer extraordinaire, quarter zip enthusiast, Cameron McCoy. Friend, I know you've probably been watching a lot of football this weekend. How does it feel to take a break, talk about some Magic the Gathering? Oh, it feels so good. Although, like, I mean, let's just do it. Let's just talk football. Let's go. Oh, no, no, no. So I don't even want to tell you, this is not the week that we should be talking about football. You know, I like to drop on you, like, playoff quizzes and so forth. Yeah. yeah. Not, we're not there yeah. yet. It might feel like that, but you, I guess you probably don't know. The NFL season got made longer this year. Instead really? of 16 games, By it's like 17. a week? Yep. Wow. 17 games for every team now. Um, which is How a, do they manage? Uh, well, they don't, and there's a lot of in- inju- injuries. And uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a... Um, truth be told, football would probably be a lot better if it was just a 10-game season. Yeah. Um, and you made every game count by like a lot, but hey, they're in the money making business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, enough football, Cameron. We're gonna do our looking ahead to 2023, right? Just kind of uh, pontificate on that. But you and I have been playing some magic this week, so I want to start mm-hmm. there. Hit me with what you got. Who would have thought that? A little old format, or I'm sorry, set called Theros would completely shake up uh, Explorer, specifically one card. But dude, uh, Nykthos and Grey Merchant, I feel like it's 2012 again, and I am okay with this. I am like 100% okay with like what's happening right now. if you look at like that the the Explorer metagame right now, it's ah, really good. I, I mean, I know there have been some complaints from what I've seen of people saying that Nykthos is too good, but I would say that Nykthos, you know, in combination with like what Black Red is doing with Fable the Mirror Breaker, or Ember Cleave is doing with Green Red, just totally fine like i'm really 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 enjoying like i'm shocked at how much i'm enjoying explorer right now like shocked it just feels like such a breath of fresh air um in a weird way (laughs) but um i've been playing a ton of mono green um just really trying to like learn that deck and um i've been having a blast with it it's not like the best deck by any stretch of the imagination but so many elements of that that deck it's just like this great toolbox thing when you get things like um karn and storm the festival and just the way like the deck can just kind of go off on turn five and like Mm -hmm. there's just no way that your opponent can win unless they're playing like a blue white control list and they just wrath the board and all you have is a kiara a kiora you know i mean like that sort of thing happens but um Bringing in Nykthos has really, I think, planted like this deck as being like one of these new staples that, man, I didn't realize how much I missed it. Like I was needing this type of deck to be interacting with like a black red deck where all of a sudden Karn shuts down every single artifact in a sacrifice deck, right? Or... Mm. You know, and I still feel like I have no game against like blue red control or blue red phoenix. So there's this like 
so many things where it's like it's over the top in certain situations, but like just based off how the format is really settling right now, it's not the best deck by any stretch of the imagination, and I love that. So that's been my experience too. I don't, <coughs> I don't know that I wrote this about Explore, but I've been, I did play some mono black devotion, and um, I think what's what's the way I would put this? I I I think no deck is a better example of. The f- the competitive play is a shadow of its former self because some of these deck lists are horrible. I think there's a mono black deck. I think the mono black deck is reasonable and has good and bad matchups. And yes, even on paper, even in standard when mono black, gray merchant mono black was good, it never looked that scary on paper. It was when you played against it that you were like, oh, okay, I can get aided, aided out of nowhere and all these things, right? But almost none of the list I've seen from Mono Black have Mutavaults in them. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry that that there's almost no way that that's right. <laughs> um, and and I've even seen lists, Cameron. I'm not kidding you. That are three thought seizes, two thought seizes in Mono Black. Like, guys, yeah. I I don't know how to tell you this. It's the best black card ever. <laughs> <laughs> you should probably be playing all four. Yeah. Um, the one that the version I have been tinkering with actually plays Underworld Dreams. I don't know if you've seen yeah. this. Yeah. And um, it is surprisingly reasonable, especially since uh, the the black enchantment uh, from original Ravnica is not in the format. The one that you uh, can put on a land and tap to draw a card like. That was kind of the engine for the, that original mono black. <coughs> That's not legal. So the best way to get these pips is like through something like Underworld Dreams and Gifted Aetherborn actually is surprisingly really good in this format against the mm. not just aggressive decks, but a lot of times uh, if your opponent doesn't see it and they kind of go on this like big creature counter big stuff package and then you just have a two drop in there and you're good for six, seven drop uh, damage. I will tell you, Cameron, I did have a guy, uh, I had a Shieldred and an Underworld Dreams down, and he Magnum Opus. <laughs> oh, he wasn't entire, He wasn't entirely dead, but he was like at three after it was all said yeah. and done. <laughs> and fun fact, you can't kill a Shieldred with a Magnum Opus, so... <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. yeah that was yeah. that was a good moment. Any other like so <clears throat> you haven't been playing with Phoenix, you've just been doing mono black and mono green? Yeah, I mean I have the elements for Phoenix and I'm just not playing that right now. Mainly it's just yeah, mono black devotion, mono green devotion. I'll, I've played against a ton of mono black, but like you, the the why they're not running four thought seas and just like some of like what the 60 looks like um, really does need to be refined, I think. Um, but there's, like you said, there there's something there, and I think it's uh, super, super interesting. Um, and I've also been playing, like I said, against a lot of... I, I've seen a lot of mono-white. Um, it's like, sometimes I'm seeing the angels list, which is... Mm. Or the life gain angels thing, which is whatever... 
Um, but man, I will tell you, like turn two Thalia in this format right now is huge, especially, I mean, it shuts down so much of like what I'm trying to do with like, I need to get the enchantment or I need to get my Kiara going and I can't do it because Thalia is setting me back one turn. I can't even chump block with something with like one of my elves because, you know, first strike. I mean, like that, that card is really doing some work against specifically mono uh, green, but I would also think that it's going to do some work against like blue red control and that sort of thing. So like, uh, there's something there as well. And if, if this just had like an aether vial or something like that, like now we're talking as far as like a, a really, really strong, um, you know, mono white deck really. Yeah. And, um, to transition this to standard mono white has rapidly become one of the top tier decks in standard believe it or not um and we're kind of seeing a, a white renaissance in terms of decks and 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 because for years and years and years white was by oh, far the worst color garbage <laughs> yeah yeah and, and so it, it's good to see it on that front i do want to transition a little bit into talking about standard before we get into these other things standard i think we're seeing some pretty reasonable turnaround in terms of the quality because people are spending a little bit more time innovating. Um, and there is, cause last week I talked about there being a blue white deck. There is also, um, there's mono white, there's mono red, there's mono black. Um, but there is also, uh, this blue red control deck, which I've been messing around with. I shredded like basically all my wild cards in hopes that this was interesting. Right. So I do mm-hmm. want to say, all the the previous, you, just so you know, things. I do think Grixis is probably the best deck. Um, however, weirdly, Mono Blue Delver is really good against Grixis right now. So when you look at the results, the thirty six dollar version or whatever of Mono Blue Delver <laughs> is really hitting these things. However, as you might expect, I think Mono Blue is really terrible against. Mono black, mono red, mono white. It just happens to really beat up on the Grixis deck specifically. That's my opinion. So it's, this is a control list, right? And it is a artifact-based control deck. And honestly, I don't. I I would love to know why I think it is so good um, or fun to play. Um, and I. Th- but it is just a big dumb mana deck. Like it has a lot in common. Right, let me let me like refine what I'm trying to say here. It reminds me a lot of the original version of the Goldspan Dragon blue red decks. Right? Mm-hmm. You're gonna have like some low level interaction. You're gonna play Fable of the Mirror Breaker, uh, and then you're gonna have a big over the top thing. Whether it's Fable of the Mirror Breaker, or, I'm sorry, whether it's Goldspan Dragon. In this case, you can even go way bigger with Cityscape Leveler, which is functions essentially like an Eldrazi. Yeah. Um, or you can kill them with a Skitterbeam Battalion. Um, but, like, you know, you're you're driving towards this five mana, the Might Stone and Weak Stone, and a lot of times you're just killing their Rafine with it or something like that. But you, you keep building up in this mana. And honestly, what's weird is sometimes in your late game, Field of Ruin ends up being really good. Because uh, okay. you can take people off of non-black mana. Because a lot of t- a lot of these decks, they're only in 
Uh, the swamps are like their only basic land, or they might have a plains if they're Esper. Um, so that being said, this deck is maybe more fun than it is good. I think the blue-white okay. control deck is better, but if you're really serious, you need to be playing Grexus or Esper. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Um, and I think I think mono white is also there, and then mo- and I would I honestly put blue white soldiers into mono white as well. They're very very similar. One just splashes blue for the pump land, um, but like Delver is kind of more of a meta game call, um, and mono red is hey if you if you know mono red you know what's up. You're going to have some really good matchups, and you're going to have some really terrible ones. You're going to feel like a good player when you win the good matchups, and you're going to be <laughs> like, this game is the worst, and it all amounts to a bunch of just silly coin flips. Um, anyway, so that's that's standard. I think there is a salvageable thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's an improvement. Again, I think I'm on a 5 out of 10 on this. I could go my whole life without seeing another Fable of the Mirror Breaker or Wedding Announcement and be just fine mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. just fine so uh cameron every year we like to do our looking ahead to 2023 mm-hmm. we're already in 2023 as a matter of fact we took a week off um and i kind of think there, there's a way to talk about this in terms of arena and paper because i think those worlds are very segregated right now right um maybe maybe that's just me and my perspective and my outlook um, but they do also feel like very different experiences, largely because the paper world has gone so much more to casual multiplayer magic, and you can't even play multiplayer magic on Arena, right? And I've been at a shop several times. Like, I've gone to the sh- to card shops more in the last three weeks than I probably have in six months, only to play Flesh and Blood, but whenever there's magic events going on, they're all four-player commander pods, almost all of them. Right. And it is just people engaging with it in a such a different way. So that's why I've kind of separated these out. So let's start with Arena. Cameron, I'm willing to bet if we went to last year's, we said get Pioneer on Arena. If we went back two years to this show, I bet that we would say get Pioneer on Arena. Three years, we'd probably say what's Pioneer. But you get it, uh-huh. right? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so help me out. What are the things that you need out of Arena? Where are you, where are you looking for it to go for you to continue to be a paying customer? Yeah, broken record. Um, I, 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 yes, Pioneer. I want that paper analog. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. Need it now. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, I think um, this might go to something that you're going to be talking about, but um, when... When we have things like cube, give me cube the way it's meant to be and not the alchemy cards. I need to just, I, I, because I mean, like, we're at a point now where we've seen the Moxon in, in Arena. We've seen like these super powerful things. And I don't need alchemy cards that are just kind of throwing a wrench into everything. So, like, that's number two is just like, give me a clear focused, here's this really special thing that we're going to do quarterly and it's cube and it's going to be amazing and you're going to love it. And it's not alchemy. That's mm-hmm. number two for me. Yeah. Um, okay. So setting aside Pioneer, 
And last week I said I would be happy to help them write the apology letter or any kind of press release regarding alchemy, right? Um, I feel like, really, if they just wanted to play Baby Come Back in the background <laughs> of this whole thing, that would be fine too. But it'd just be like, dear customers, we were very wrong and very stupid and very, very, very greedy, and we're sorry, and here are the wild cards back, and alchemy is discontinued from this point forward. Our bad. You know, please forgive us. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's what needs to happen. This alchemy business is, I mean, it, the writing was on the wall when it started. The writing continues to be on the wall. We're all just counting down for something to happen with this, right? Um, yep. And the kind, the, the shame of it is, and, you know, we spoke about this very briefly, but the shame of it is, is like how much it has damaged historic and what historic's place in the game was going to be. And I, sure, uh, historic is the, still the second most played constructed format according to their data. Like, cool. But I think there was a lot of people that had bought into Historic and they're just continuing to play what they had, right? Mm-hmm. Setting aside that every time I import an Explorer deck, it automatically sets it to Alchemy. Or I'm sorry, to Historic. Every yeah. time I, I import yeah. a standard deck, it whatever. But it's just time to rip the Band-Aid off, come up with what your plan is. And like the all these new cards that they added to Alchemy this entire time could have been modern cards. They could have been Pioneer cards. We would have happily paid for them. Mm-hmm. It could have been a core set. <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, just a good classic core set, you know? Yeah. And I'll be this guy. Like, look, I am customer, uh, the customer that is not interested in Commander. How in the world was this these these resources not devoted to putting Commander on Arena? Like, is that not the most obvious thing that they should have been doing this entire time? If that is really the 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 thing that drives the bus now... Um, why is it not on Arena? Why are you making these stupid cards that are... I, I mean, Cameron, I don't know how many times you interacted with, but they are so poorly designed. I know we mock all the ones with the big decisions and like the 13 bullet points and all this, but, I mean, some of them are atrocious. And the quality control in them is obviously just done, and it, it, it's a money grab, and it's sad. Um... But beyond that, I do want there to be better links to the real game. Like, you just talked about this in terms of Pioneer. But I do want there to be something that says, hey, when you were at FNM, you get this special thing. When you are an arena player at a certain thing, you know, maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe a physical thing mm-hmm. from arena is too hard to get. But something that really drives that, because now that I've seen the Pokemon side of it, I mean, Cameron, I don't know if you know this, but every pack of Pokemon, every single pack, comes with a pack voucher for their online game. It's incredible. And my son loves it. We get the QR code. We, we do the whole thing. Or I should say the whatever digit code. And that really pulls him in even more. And he gets very excited to get packs because effectively he's getting packs twice. Right? Can you imagine if they did that where instead of like the token... It is a QR code, and it just gives you a pack of arena cards. Just a single pack, you know, a thousand gold or whatever it is. Like, that to me, it's like, I would actually buy some paper. And look, it's like a one-to-one in that way. That's a brilliant idea, Curtis. I hope you get five cents for every single 
pack open when Wizards copies that from you. Yeah. Well, and the shocking thing is Pokemon has apparently been doing this for a long time. And I thought, because I'm just a Wizards of the Coast customer, I thought we would only be able to redeem one, like, for the whole account. Like, we would do one <laughs> QR code, and then that would be it for, like, the no, lifetime no, no. of us having an account. And we're like, wait, you can enter the next one? And the next one? I, I thought, surely they'll stop us. No. No, it just keeps going. You just keep getting packs. It's wild. It's wild. And the the inverse of this, and I'm sorry, this is going to just happen a lot, is with Flesh and Blood, they've just let fans make the online version of the card game, and it just sits there. And they don't interact with it, and it doesn't cost anything. They just say, hey, it's an online resource. So, like, I can play whatever deck I want. All the cards are available to me. Granted, there's no ladder. There's no economic system. It is just literally, hey, I'm playing this deck. Does anybody want to join me? They join in, and you play. In. Mm -hmm. And it promotes the paper game like you would not believe. Right? Because because it acts as a training, right? Um, So... There's some other things that I would really like them to fix with Arena. You mentioned the cube draft thing, but just a, could I just get a setting? I mean, I know I won't, but could I just get a setting that says, I want to play with paper only cards, right? Call it the boomer button. You could be little me. Sure, I yeah. don't really care. <laughs> um, but like just something that filters the experience. But there are some like UI issues I mean, I just alluded to that, like, ending up in the wrong format is way too easy. Uh, knowing what the actual active draft format, I think their limited setup is kind of a mess. Uh, and if you want to, like, draft, I think draft tokens should be in the store. And you could buy a bundle of draft tokens. I think that would be a lot more uh, easy to understand if you don't want to engage with the economy and this, like, level of, like, I'm going to craft all the commons and uncommons and then draft a bunch. And, you know, that kind of silliness, I just think, makes you feel like you're wasting your time. Um, and also older cards, please. Like, I, I think that's probably the easiest thing. Now, okay, I don't know how aware you are of this conversation, Cameron, but there's this thing about, like, what is going to happen with competitive magic? Obviously, it's not going to go away, mm -hmm. but what is going to be the driving format, right? The problem with modern being the driving format is obviously... The format is, I mean, I would say it's a little fast at this stage in the game, but, you know, maybe some competitive players could do some interesting things with that. Um, but it's also very expensive. It's a very expensive point of entry. Pioneer is a little bit more affordable. Standard is not firing that often, but definitely more affordable in some ways than Pioneer. Um, so I guess, I guess what do you think would be the ideal setup for competitive magic? Or should they, and this is the craziest thought, should they make Commander the competitive format? Like, meaning four-person four, table, four table, kind of like more of a poker vibe. Give me your wild and crazy. Let's just brainstorm. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. I think forever, and I'll, I'll always say this, uh, Standard has to be the competitive thing. It's what drives people to open packs. It's the most recent thing. It's the product that they're actually promoting at that time. Where you know it's like a one to one as far as I'm buying and getting into this this game, um, I feel like the the point of entry is easier for like a younger crowd to get into it with standard mm -hmm. over something like Pioneer or Modern. Um, and here's the thing I'm gonna say about Pioneer: as much as I would love to see that be the path for like competitive Magic, um, 
kind of like modern. I I don't like the idea of like the pros solving the format and then all of a sudden Pioneer is forever changed because like right now I kind of love what it is. Um, and I think it just, A, it doesn't have the innovation. I know that. Like, you know, the same thing with like Legacy. Like it's lacking in the innovation. It's I mean, you're playing the same things all that but like there's also something just really special about like what pioneer is as far as like this other non-rotating format so i guess i don't know maybe i'm a stick in the mud but i think standards still needs to be like the thing um and maybe with another rotation or something we'll have like a great standard again or just another edition of cards or banning a fable of mirror breaker <laughs> I, I think there needs to be – so, like, Wizards employees have even said this, like, hey, what, we've been focused so much on standard. What if we make other things kind of the driving force? What does that change for us? And you can actually kind of see this in things like the number of overall legends that are being printed. I can't remember the number that got quoted online, but it was, like, a ridiculous amount, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always going to be the guy that says I think you can support both things. Um, in many, many games do, right? Like there's a competitive level of Street Fighter and then there's guys like me that just like to enjoy Street Fighter. Like mm-hmm, I, I, mm-hmm. maybe that's a strained analogy, but you understand what I'm saying is like, yeah, these, these don't have to be mutually exclusive. And the problem that you're, they're going to run into is if standard actually dies, people are going to have what I have, which is this issue with opening new product, right? Like, why do I need to do that? And there is this weird relationship with Commander that they want it to be the, f- the, the, the main format for everyone, but it's actually quite complex. It's got a huge barrier to entry, right? It's a more complicated version of Magic, right? It's a more mm-hmm. social version, obviously, but I, that's the thing that kind of blows me away is like it seems like a place where disgruntled or people that don't want to chase the competitive scene, <laughs> you know, uh, those are, that's, those are the people that I see end up in commander. I don't see a lot of people starting at commander right now. How limited fix fits into the competitive, uh, placement is also a, a really interesting question, but I think pioneer by itself, if pioneer doesn't rotate, it's going to be modern in five years. Like it's going to yeah. be a little too fast, yeah. a little bit like, so just hoping that, like, I just go through this over and over and over again. I feel like we've done this so many times where people want a non-rotating format to be the thing. And it's like, guys, this is not how magic works. It's not how it's been designed. And to just hope that one day a non-rotating format will solve all these issues is just not realistic. And yeah. I love, I'd loved Legacy for many years, right? Um, before we had Space Puppies. Um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Too so that, yeah, S- still sore about that one. Um, but yeah, so that's that's where I'm at with that. I I do also want to mention like I'm having trouble having a desire to go to one of the Magic Fest conventions. I know there's one that's like reasonably close to us, but by comparison to the way, I, and this is probably just a me thing, the way that I've interacted with Magic in the past where I would focus on a format. And let's say this, let's just say that there was a GP in Minneapolis, Cameron, that mm-hmm. you and I were going to go to, and we knew it was Pioneer. You and I would probably 
play test over the internet before we went. We'd talk metagame. We'd message each other about our 75. We'd work on it together, all those fun things. Yeah. Well, when it's a convention, it just feels a little unfocused and a little bit more of like a celebration party, you know, fan fest. And that's cool. But I got to be honest with you, man, because I've been to many Royals fan fests because I'm a big Royals fan. Um, I like being there for about three hours. <laughs> and then I'm kind of <laughs> like, I'm out on it. And then cool, like, cool, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Hey, there's an artist. There's this, I'll sign, you know, they, I'll get some cards signed or whatever. And then I'll play in a side event and then I'll feel like, I don't know, man. Like, I, is this making any sense? Is this a yeah, sensible yeah. complaint? Because like, once again, that's a commitment of driving eight-ish hours to do that. And if that, I mean, if that's your thing, cool. But like, that's quite a commitment when it doesn't feel like the juice is worth the squeeze. <laughs> yeah, I, I would <sighs> say it's like, to me, I think, because I work with some people that are really into like marathoning and Ironman stuff. And to me, magic GPs kind of existed in that headspace, right? Like obviously it's a very mm -hmm. different thing physically, but you were working towards a goal. It wasn't like, man, I'm going to win this Grand Prix. It was more about me wanting to finish as high as I possibly could, like mm -hmm. tune the deck the best I could and kind of go through that experience. Well, now it feels like we've gone to this really dedicated, you know, 5K or, you know, 10K or marathon to, hey, let's, uh, let's go shop for some workout equipment together. Mm. You know, there's, there's yep. a, let's, let's all go to Lululemon. And like, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a different experience and one that I don't know that I'm willing to go out of my way for. Right. I'm there with you, man. I get it. So anyway, that's me. Anyway, Cameron. Let's let's just do this. Yes, no. Let's start with alchemy. Will alchemy exist when we do this show next year? Oh, God willing, no. <laughs> but like in your heart, what do you actually think? Do I think I think we have another year of it. I really I think uh I think they've committed. They've got a roadmap as far as like what they're printing and you know and what they're making for product and I just I think this train is is set to roll for a while. Do you think in a year's time all of Pioneer will be on Arena? Yes, I do think that. I think we're we're on pace by I I'm going to say by November we should have Pioneer. What is the biggest magic event you'll go to in the year 2023? Probably an FNM. <laughs> 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 I don't know. It'll probably be like a regional thing that I'll go to or something like that. Right on, man. Right on. Well, um, all right, Cameron, let's get out of the segment, come back and talk about what else we've been up to. You know, it occurred to me, Cameron, that we haven't really talked about our best games of the year, but there oh. haven't been a lot of games this year. Yeah. And like, I can tell you what it is. The best game of the year. Elden Ring? No. No. Sifu. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, like, Neon White is probably the game I enjoyed the most. Mm -hmm. And I haven't finished it. I've been so swamped because I, I changed jobs. Um, and I've, I'm, like, still, like, three hours into God of War 2, and it's enjoyable. Um, yeah. But it, I, I can tell you right now, like, 
Elden Ring, I just kind of petered out on. I like I got like thirty or forty hours in, and I was clearly nowhere close to the end. And it's like, okay, I'll just need to go yeah. back, and then it'll be like you know Dark Souls two or three or something. It'll just be like the next part. <laughs> so this um, was the year that you can tell that a pandemic happened. Yeah, two and a half years ago, right? Like, I mean, just like the there was like these major things just kind of missing it felt like um despite god of war coming out but it really felt like there was a lot of like missed development happening for a while um so it was actually a great year for me to just revisit or to go through my catalog of steam library games that i purchased during winter sale and just have never gotten to until now so like going through mass effect uh, three. Um, you know, or my, I'm sorry, Mass Effect remastered and replaying three, but going through one. Um, you know, there's some other things as well, uh, like the new Crisis remastered. So I mean, like, there's just like these games that mm-hmm. just been huge holes in my life. Um, it's been a good year to actually dabble in those and see what those games were all about. Yeah. Uh. I think I did Mass Effect Trilogy uh, a little bit more than a year ago, and man, that I, I I am one of those people that I think when people tell you you shouldn't play the first one, I strongly disagree. I think it provides a ton of context, <laughs> like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't because two and three kind of have a, their own separate story. I guess is how I would put it, but sure. But man, and especially that last third of the first one. It's awesome, <laughs> like story-wise. I just think it has a mm-hmm. lot to say. Um, so you have a thing here that says tar. Yeah. What is so tar? this tar uh, stars Kate Blanchett. Uh, it is a movie that uh, came out, I think, in October, but um, it's going to win or be nominated, I should say, for all the awards for this award season. Uh, she, you know, is probably like one of the greatest living actresses, uh, in Hollywood right now. And, uh, she gives like, I think like probably like a career, one of a career defining performance in this. She's a, um, a, uh, maestro of the Berlin Symphony Orchestra and it deals with power dynamics. It deals with, um, separating the art from the artist um and it kind of plays around with like a reverse me too movement sort of thing goes into some cerebral things but like i said this is like one of the most uh impressive performances i've seen all year and it was actually i i needed to go and rewatch it again i so much enjoyed this movie like i i thought it was hilarious it was dark it was witty um the ending is like the most WTF, like I don't know what is going on sort of moment I've had uh, for a theater going experience. So um, Tar, it's probably going to get nominated, like I said, for all the Oscars. Okay. One day I will watch it. You got to watch it. I like This is one that I, I'm going to push on people. It's like almost three hours long. It's super long, but it's good. it's so good. I loved it. Oh, by the way, sorry, I'm rewatching this with my daughter. Favorite TV show of the year, not close. You would think it's Andor, Cameron. It's The Bear. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, I think, was a masterpiece. Um, like, I, 
I really think highly of it. And the second time around, it hits you even harder. Um, so I, I got some Amazon Space Bucks for my family for Christmas. And I kind of had heard noise about this Supergirl uh, Woman of Tomorrow series. So it got collected, and it's by Tom King, and oh, the artist, I don't have it down here, the artist, uh, name escapes me, which is a shame because the artist steals the show. Um, okay. But this is this is set out just like Superman, Man of Tomorrow, like all these, like the of tomorrow things, there's like kind of a lot attached to that within DC lore that I, it's not really necessarily necessary to get into, but they tend to be really uh, important stories, right? And um, Supergirl is not a character that I think is always the most well-defined. I think there's been kind of different variations of on her. And uh, King in this book, I think, takes another kind of different look at her. And this reads a lot like, I don't know if they say it directly, but it, it's basically like True Grit, like in space. Um, and Supergirl kind of shepherds this younger lady who's like trying to um, avenge her father. And it is a very wordy um, kind of cosmic adventure uh, that these two go on. And it's got all the DC zaniness, Cameron, that you would love. Like, minor spoiler here, but there's a point where a villain transports Supergirl to a a planet that has a green sun and is filled with dinosaurs. (laughs) Right? And, And that, like, these kinds of things that are really part and parcel that I think don't always go outside of the comic book bubble of DC. And somehow DC has kind of created this um, viewpoint of it's dark just because of Batman where it's like, where it's like Superman and Green Lantern, the stuff is zany. And this kind of does that, but also does some really great, like Mobius meets saga artwork. Like the artwork is why Mm. not like it is one of the best illustrated books i've seen since like the original planetary run like it is yeah really like drop dead stunning stylish interesting cool i really like this story i think the execution kind of falls apart in the end and i'm gonna be this guy that i i respect tom king a lot um his batman run i think is something that people should read um even though i would probably say i'm a little more down on it than some other people like because I think there's a very like there's an intense focus on his relationship with Catwoman, and that always felt a little bizarre to me, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I and I feel like we've kind of gone over that ground a lot lately. But he's clearly super talented and has a really good direction. I think the end is kind of fumbled a little bit, and um, but it's it's a super smart well illustrated and like really goes out i guess the the big point here is it goes out of its way to define what supergirl is how she is different than superman and what makes that such an amazing character and so you kind of walk away from it with a really great appreciation for this version of supergirl which i think is um awesome so anyway check it out sometime it's very well worth the the whatever the twenty bucks for the trade. It was an eight issue prestige miniseries, um, and one of the strongest comics I've read this year. It's just like I said, I think it just falls a little bit short of perfection from time to time. So fun, cool, yeah. Um, Cameron, if someone would like to talk to you about the different versions of Supergirl and why their favorite one is from the '80s film, where could they find you? <laughs> 
Oh, wow. That's all on Twitter, <laughs> at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I am at Curtis Now. Our official show feed is at SpikeBeatMTG. We'll check you guys next week. <laughs>